Hello, welcome back. It's episode number 58 this week. Um, I'm Ryan McLeod and this is Creative Chit Chat. And the guest this week is Rachel Simpson, who is a musician, sound designer and cyclist. I think that covers it. Um, She works for Outplay, a games company based in the Vision Building in Dundee, and she is the sound team for all the games, so she creates everything from the fart noises to the voices to sound effects to explosions to whizzes to bangs, everything. Um, Yeah, and she talks about her setup, how she does that. Um, Then we sort of go on to talk about um, her music, so she does a lot of work with um, Andrew Vasilik, um, and she's, I mean, she's worked with an amazing range of people. She's crazily modest. Um, yeah, I had to sort of tease out of her some of the, the amazing things she's, she's done. She's just, yeah, didn't really want to shout about it. <laughs> I'll put some links to her work um, in the show notes so you can check that out. Um, it did take a bit of encouragement to get her on the podcast. Um, Fred the dog had to be uh, present as moral support. So you might hear one or two murmurings from him under the desk. But yeah, it's really interesting to explore her process, how she works, um, yeah, how that day-to-day works and how that balance and how the influence comes from her sort of musical influences come into her games work and how um, the sort of the, the, the link between the two and, and the sort of flow between the work. Um, so if you're new or you don't already, you know what I'm going to say. Just go and do it. Go and follow us. So it's at CCC Dundee on Twitter and Instagram and facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash CCC Dundee. Um, and let's get into the episode. It's number 58 and this is with Rachel Simpson. So I moved to Dundee two years ago. Um, I came up from Brighton, which is obviously down the south coast. Um, pretty cool town. So I was a little bit nervous to leave it and come to Dundee, which I'd visited. I'd visited a fair few times before, but... Um, the time, the last time I visited before we moved up, it was a bit like today. It was like really miserable, very grey. And I happened to be just walking around some really rubbish bits. And I was like, why am I moving here? <laughs> so I was a bit nervous. But then when we got here, um, we moved to Newport, and uh, which is really nice. Um, and kind of started settling in a wee bit and um, met some people saw that there was actually quite a lot going on here so yeah Dundee's actually pretty cool so quite happy now so it's not as quite as shite as I thought it was how how long ago was that then uh so that was December 2015 um yeah we moved up um so Fraser my husband got offered a job up here and um living in Brighton we were like kind of a bit skint because it's really expensive down there so um so we were like okay well it will help with money and we'll be a bit closer to his family because he's from Glasgow and at least would be closer to one of our families because mine's back in Ireland and so we kind of moved up here for practical reasons and I was I had loads of bands and stuff down there so it was a bit kind of wee bit scary moving up here and not knowing anybody but um but yeah came up here and very soon met loads of musicians and ended up like playing loads so yeah it's been good. (laughs) So when you guys were down in in Brighton Fraser was working in the the games industry Mm -hmm. were you what were you doing down there? Um, so I used to work um, in a company with him um, and then I was working in London for another company for EA and then I went freelance so I was freelance for about five years so I was just kind of working from home and um, gigging lots and uh, 
kind of a mix of like freelance work for video games and um, doing lots of like jazz gigs and stuff um, get some more cash um, so yeah and when I moved up here I was freelance for the first six months um, and then I ended up getting a job at Outplay Entertainment which um, which is where Fraser was working um, so I've been working there since then um, so because freelance, freelancing when I moved up here at first was, uh, was a wee bit lonely because it didn't really down in Brighton all my friends were musicians who like um, had kind of weird like they'd work at night but they'd be around during the day so if I was like um, okay I need a cup of tea and need some company I could like go off and meet people and it'd be fine but um yeah, when I moved up here, it was a bit like, ooh, <laughs> a bit lonely now. So getting the job out of play was really good. Got to meet some more people and stuff. So what what's the job there then? Uh, so I'm audio designer at Outplay. Um, so I do all their music and sound effects for all their games. Um, they make um, just mobile games, really, um, mostly. Um, and we do about um, seven or eight games, I think, now. Lose track, there's like tons of them. So uh, I work on all of them, which is a bit, ha <laughs> wee bit scary. And you're the only... Sound designer. Yeah, yeah. So I outsource a little bit, but most of it I do in-house and just kind of try and juggle 50 million things at once. But it's good, though. It definitely keeps you on your toes. It's like super varied work. So you're responsible for basically every sound that's put into any game that Outplay create. <laughs> yeah, every <laughs> single sound would be me. So if you hear like a fart noise, that's probably, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I do all like um, record all the instruments and... Um, go and go off with my zoom and record lots of nonsense noises and get them in and um, I, I outsource um, so we have one game called Castle Creeps which I outsource to um, the music to a friend called uh, Wilkes he's down in Brighton who I used to work with and um, does a really good job of it um, but um, the rest of it is mostly myself <laughs> So how does that how does a design process work so if you're taking on to like put onto a new project how do you go about sort of structuring your time and actually creating the sounds recording the sounds uh, so, um, so yeah, yeah, have a bit of a process. Um, when a project starts up, um, you'll try and get in as early as possible. It's not always um, so. Audio um, is often kind of last in the chain of um, of process of when things go into the game, and um, it's also. Why, why do you think that is then? Uh, well, there's a practical reason where you you kind of need animations to be in place and stuff if you're going to make sound effects that sync to them. So that's fair enough. But um, uh, I think often it's seen as there's only one of me in the company and I came in there used to be no audio and the company used to be kind of outsourced so it was often the afterthought so you kind of have to remind people of your existence quite a lot and um, just kind of speak up a bit and try and involve yourself in meetings early on um, in the kind of design process so so you can kind of get an idea roughly of like the creative kind of vibe of the project um, and so then have a kind of a vague idea of what kind of creative style you're going to have um, so at the start of the project I'll kind of try and meet with the team and work out like kind of technically like what audio engine we might use for a project um like what kind of how what kind of capabilities it needs to do if it's like a big kind of 3d game that needs lots of like weird ambient sounds that are attached objects or if it's just kind of a we do lots of like match three games which are a bit simpler sounds just have to kind of fire and that's just fine um and then i'll kind of speak to the designers and the artists and um see like creatively what kind of art style it is um uh, then make try to make like an asset list kind of roughly working out uh, kind of like how many sounds are in the game um, and then I'll start making stuff and so how many sort of sounds are we talking for a game Ooh, like, or wow. sort of, what sort of range would you be working with are you talking like thousands hundreds um, so for match three games um, I think we start off with a core of maybe between two and three hundred sounds um, but because they're live games after that 
there'll be lots of more updates every month or every couple of weeks um, so it can just be infinite um, for the kind of more 3D well we do tower defence games and we then we do kind of match 3 and bubble shooter games so the tower defence games and the kind of more mid-core nerdy stuff um, with all goblins and things that will um, they'll have tons tons and tons of things um, not even sure how many like hundreds and hundreds um, yeah the kind of programmers kind of go mad at me because I <laughs> try and get way too much in but that's good though <laughs> so you've at the point at which you, you've got a brief you've got an idea of what you want to create um how do you go about actually physically creating those that range of, of sounds so um i'll often start with some music and um, i find that then helps shape the kind of tone of the whole project and i can make sound effects to fit the music more nicely if i start with a piece of music so um I'll just I'll look at some reference material. Um, talking to the artists, they'll usually have had some kind of reference that they might have, like for, for Castle Creeps, Tower Defence games, it's like lots of Game of Thrones reference. So it was obvious that it was kind of needing to be sort of fantasy, old world, medieval kind of palette. So um, I made like a, a brief that kind of wrote for myself and for, because I outsourced the music on that one for the for Wilkes, the outsourcer. Um, so I just kind of gathered lots of reference of different videos. So there was some some Game of Thrones, some like um, Baroque music, um, made like lots of lists of instruments that I thought would work in the game, sort, sort of like um, dulcimer and medieval sort of things. Um, and then I, I even think I said like kind of key that it should be in because I want them, um, you want the sound effects often to kind of blend with the music. So if things are in different keys, it will all sound big cacophonous mess. Um, maybe tempo as well, if there's like particular sort of gameplay rhythm. So you're like, um, the game, the tempo in this part of the gameplay should sort of be around, say, 150 BPM or something like that. So it matches the, the rhythm of the gameplay. Um, I think I even said stuff like, harmonically, it should have like Lydian mode to create a fantasy sort of feel, things like that. So <laughs> got quite specific. Um, and then, yeah, we, we start with a piece of music, um, compose that, and then... Um, then I think I started with front end sounds for that game, menu sounds, because um, that kind of gives a good um, vibe into, you know, you're approaching the game. This is kind of a statement of intent. Um, so there's like lots of real sounds. Everything's going to be real and old world sound in. Um, got them in and then kind of hammer through all the gameplay sounds, which there are many of. Um, so I'll record things, um, get my zoom out, um, record lots of silly voices. So when you, you say your, your zoom... Um for anyone who doesn't know what that is, can you explain a bit like what it actually is in the, the sort of, I suppose, the environment that you record sound in? Uh, yeah, so um, so I record in both my studio at home and then um, field recordings using portable recorder, which is a Zoom, um, which is what I use, um, Zoom H6, I think I've got. Um, so that's a really good little stereo portable recorder. Um, you can add mics to it with XLR inputs, much like what you're using here today. Um, if so, I'll use that for kind of foley sounds and going outside and getting ambient recordings, things that are footsteps, stuff like that. Um, but for doing kind of voices and things, I'll record them at home in my studio, which is just a just a kind of basic room in my house with lots of soft furnishings. There's nothing fancy, but um, I've got like some mics set up in there and I've got like a kind of a vocal shield thing, I can't remember the name of them, but that kind of helps to deaden the sound a bit. So I'll record lots of voices and instruments there and stuff. Um, so you come up with all the voices and do you do the voices or do you get people in to, to do that a bit of a mix um, if you can get some budget to get actors in that's definitely ideal but it doesn't always exist especially on mobile games where everything's very fast and very kind of tight budget so 
And there are lots of people that I work with in the studio have been like kind of dragged into rooms going, okay, make stupid noise, please. <laughs> we had um, the one of the first things I recorded there actually was I needed some screaming for a Banshee character. And um, I, I asked some people to come and do some screaming. And the first guy that came in, I was like, okay, when you do this, you're going to think that you're being enthusiastic enough but actually you're not. You need to like multiply it by 10. Just like give me like a super big scream because most people when they come in to do voiceover, they're kind of like go, ah, and they think that they're screaming, but you're like, no, you have to like just give us some gusto. So he did it and it <laughs> turned out he didn't actually need any encouragement at all. He was like terrified the life out of me and the <laughs> office next door were like phoning us going, I think there's somebody having a heart attack in your office. <laughs> so so yeah, that was he was a good person to do it. <laughs> um, I've recorded like big groups of people as well in the office. Um, on a Friday, we often have beer in the office. So I'll, I'll like gather people and like, okay, I'm going to do a quick recording session. And I get like people to do kind of dwarf shouts and stuff and get them to bang things. And <laughs> so it's good fun. <laughs> people quite like that. Because I imagine you've got, I mean, I sort of, I think of it as like having a whole load of props and like, you like popping balloons and doing like lots of weird stuff to get sounds that you never really think. Yeah, yeah. These objects would create those sounds, but um Yeah, I use my wok a lot. That's that's a good one. <laughs> it, it makes like really if you, especially if you fill it with liquid, it just makes the weirdest you can get good menu sounds out of it. Just like weird buttony noises and like boom <laughs> Yeah, it's really cool. What's the weirdest thing you think you've used to create a sound? Oh wow. Um hmm. Um I make a lot of sounds just with my voice, like weird explosion sounds even and stuff. You can kind of layer things up just like making really stupid shouting and stuff like that. Um, but I use anything that I find around. Um, I go outside and I just like um, pick up rocks and sticks and things and I'll be banging trees and that gets some interesting looks. <laughs> just like in the car park and people are like, what the? <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's good fun. Foley's really good fun. It's definitely one of the more fun parts of the job. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever had like a sound where you've just not been able to get it quite right? Um, yeah. They're, one of the hardest things, um, well, menu sounds are hard. They're quite complex. You end up, for one like little button press, you can actually have a session like your Pro Tools session or whatever, can have like 20 tracks of things layered up because you want to fill up all the frequencies and make it really full. And menu sounds are interesting like because it's so abstract when you're pressing a button on a screen. I try to make the audio... I try to make the audio make a button feel like it's real, which is hard to explain, but it, once you get the sound that's just right, it, it actually is really satisfying when you click it then and it actually feels like a button. So I spend a long time getting those menu sounds right. But menus often tend to need, or lots of gameplay sounds, need whooshes, and whooshes are like, they're a whole minefield. They're crazy things. There's, it's like so hard to get a whoosh right. So I spend my life looking for the perfect whoosh, I think. <laughs> I got a tool recently called um, Tonstrom Whoosh. It's like a plugin where it's they've they've done a clever thing where um, you open the program and it's got loads of samples of like different. It's got fire and wind and loads of things layered and they've done like granular synthesis and you can kind of press your keyboard and it plays a whoosh and you can like change the timing of it and stuff and still learning how to work it but that's kind of helped me a lot in my job. But yeah, the perfect whoosh is ever elusive. <laughs> <laughs> when you're you talk about the sort of the tactility of a, a menu item that you want to click. So mm. are you, as you're creating these things, are you putting them into like a prototype to sort of 
test them live or how does that work? Yeah, so what I uh, generally do is, I think what most people do is um, I don't just kind of play the game and then kind of work from memory on the timing of things. I'll um, do like a video capture of the game and I'll import the video into my session and then I'll work with like a 30 second video, say, of the menu and I'll just get it all, like make a big demo. Um, And then I might get kind of send that video around and review that with people. um, uh, But yeah, you can kind of get them all synced up, sounding good in in Pro Tools or whatever, and then just export the little sounds and then you can um, get them into the game. Um, So that might be through... There's a few different ways of getting things, well, lots of different ways of getting sounds into your game. Um, We mostly use kind of, well, kind of a cheapo engine. It's not great at outplay called Cricket. Um, But we also, um, there's another game that we're working on that uses Unity, which is a a popular one. Um, And for that, we're using an engine called Fabric, an audio engine, which is really good. So you have capability of, um, uh, so if, if I'm on the kind of older games and I want to do things like, add with the cricket engine if i want to do things like add fade into the music and and do kind of fancy stuff um i'll have to speak with coders and we'll have to work that out and it'll take time but um if you're using like a proper audio engine like um like fabric or wise or fmod or something you can um it gives like me who doesn't have any kind of programming ability um the ability to do loads of like cool shit like uh, random uh, random no repeat things where you you can put in like say five variations of a sound say footsteps and they can every time the footstep happens you, it picks from a pool but it doesn't pick the same as the last one and just do kind of clever stuff like that um, you can set up like fancy music systems so that when you go into particular parts of gameplay we don't do that this much on our sorts of games because it doesn't need it but you can um, set it up so you go into an area and it picks like a certain um, loop of like say battle music um and it can kind of pick from different loops and so it varies music each time if you have like four different stems and stuff and you can set it up on like tempo based and explain the badly but you can do <laughs> clever shit <laughs> so i mean at the moment you're doing the majority of stuff in your house um, um yeah a lot of like all the music i do at home and um, anything where i need to go and record some voices and stuff i'll, I'll do that at home yeah um, and then i kind of um at work and uh, if I'm working in the office um, I'll kind of send myself all my sounds and I've got a big library of sounds that I can work with and I'll just kind of work on headphones mostly and sync it all up hmm. so what I mean you, you've mentioned before that there'll be there's plans to, to create you a, a, a studio um, what would be your sort of dream setup then um, so it would be awesome to have like a proper listening control room that is um so the way the office is at the moment, we're working a really noisy. It's in the vision building. It's um, it's got like pipes running through and everything. It's just like a nightmare. So we'd have to build a room in a room with like raised floor, lowered ceiling, all the all the walls padded and everything. Um, and have that connected to a little live room would be amazing with a window through. So I, like I could have actors or musicians in or myself, and just go in and record there in a, like a little dead room. Um, and then go and listen and mix properly. That would be nice. But uh, I'm working just now in a just in a room basically with headphones and they, I've got some nice gear but um, it's not like a proper listening environment but one day. Because yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I suppose you've worked, you've worked in the, the games industry for, for for quite a while now. Mm. Um, but like, do you consider yourself a gamer? Uh, yeah, interesting one. <laughs> um, so when I started in games, um, I started um, back. Uh, I was 21. Um, I was at university. Um, 
I was doing my music degree and this job came up during the summer um, working on SingStar, a karaoke game. Um, my friend that I just, um, who's, who I played in bands with and stuff, she was working there and um, she said, oh, come and do it as a summer job. Just like and get yourself some money and then go back to university at, at the end and that'll be fine. So I was like, okay, cool. Um, so I gave it a go and I went in and what we were doing was um, SingStar was this karaoke thing where you look at the pitch bars on the screen and you have to like match the pitch. Um, so the team was just like a load of singers um, just sitting around um, transcribing what the singers were doing and then getting those, um, recording it into MIDI and then getting those files into the game. So so it was quite like good fun um, work environment. We were all like, good pals and like played gigs together and stuff. So it was like pretty cool. None of us were gamers. We were just like, this is kind of weird. We're just like musicians working in a game. Um, but then I totally loved it. Ended up like um, putting off university for like three years, and um, uh, worked on SingStar for ages, and um, never really played a game before. But kind of got into games through that. Um, so like, initially just started playing some music games and stuff just to see what else was out there, and then got pretty into Zelda, and then it was all downhill from there. <laughs> so, so I don't really think of myself as a gamer, but I actually do play lots of games though, <laughs> compared to. Everyone else I worked with, I, I work with, has kind of grown up like wanting to work in games since they were six or something, and I, I feel quite different to that. But um, but I probably do play as many games as the rest of them, really. <laughs> and do you use those as like sort of inspiration as well? Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I try to get I get inspiration from lots of things, not just games. And I think it's important. Um, I think lots of people that work in games can be a little bit insular and um, kind of look to games for most of their inspiration. They maybe don't. Um, look outside enough at like film and tv and music and stuff um so um I, for music particularly i get i i listen to like just lots of classical music and stuff and and jazz and get some like inspiration from non-game things but for things like menu sounds and stuff nintendo is still like <laughs> just yeah. totally love it <laughs> they're like so silly and so everything just sounds so nice i love it so yeah nintendo is my favorite <laughs> so would you ever consider like moving out of the the games industry because I mean the skills you, you, you've you got and the sort of recording and creating sound design um, they don't necessarily have to be tied to that to the games mm. industry but would you ever consider moving outside that or is it just too much fun? Um, when I was freelancing I did do bits and bobs outside of games um, but mostly my extra kind of work would be gigs really um, so yeah being a kind of session musician and stuff um, but yeah I have done a, a little bit of TV and things but it's quite different working in for film and TV and stuff. It's not not harder, but you have to kind of pitch for things and um, yeah, it's, well, it's a whole different thing. Like for video games, you can take on kind of smaller projects and um, you can get in-house jobs, like a permanent job, which is quite unusual really in kind of in film and stuff that wouldn't really exist. Um, so yeah, it's a bit different, but I certainly consider things if they came up. But I think Dundee's got such a great um, kind of there's tons of companies around here and stuff that I don't imagine I'd be having to look for anything else anytime soon. Hmm, yeah. mm. But I, I suppose games is only sort of part of the of, of what you do, because um, like music is a bigger part of your of your life as a whole. I suppose yeah, you do well, a lot outside yeah, it's really that. Yeah, important. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think um, for your job being um, being a gigging musician is really helpful. But I would do it either way anyway, because yeah, it's been a big passion, of course. Um, yeah, I played in lots of things in Brighton and then moving up here, yeah, and I was a bit worried that I would have nothing to do, but um, yeah, soon met um, a friend, uh, well, he was a friend of my husband Fraser's, but I met him down in Brighton, so Andrew Mitchell. Um, I met him, like, just before we were about to move up, and I, I was, like, bumped into him in um, 
the SI records in Bratty Ferry just like the kind of when Fraser was doing his final interview for coming up here and we were like oh we might move up here can I play in your band <laughs> just like muscled my way in um, and he was like yeah okay so 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 I pretty much got playing up here as, as soon as I moved up here and then Andrew knows tons of people so I met lots of people through him and done like lots of weird and wonderful gigs and traveled all around the country and stuff and um, most fun ones I think being out in them um, we've done lots of gigs in Mull which is really nice really good it's lovely out there they've got like real good creative scene um but yeah, it's been really good. Um, he also got me playing on um, uh, his own stuff, which is great. But then also introduced me to Liz Lockhead. So Hazy James that he plays with her, like we have a gig with um, Liz. So he got me playing trumpet on that, which has been really awesome because Liz is just amazing. It's like, um, well, poet or she was the poet macker and she, her stuff's just like incredible. There's people absolutely love her when they come to the gigs and we get to play like amazing venues. We did like Edinburgh Festival last year and... Queen's Hall, I think, and just like magic places, it's really good. Um, so, what like what instruments do you play then? Uh, so yeah, I play the trumpet and flugelhorn mostly. Um, I sing as well. What is a flugelhorn? <laughs> a flugelhorn is just a big fat trumpet. Really, it's um, uh, it's it kind of it looks bigger, but it's got the same pitch and everything. It just it sounds a bit warmer though, and it's it's got like a real nice mellow sound, which really suits me because. Lots of trumpet players are like kind of in your face lead kind of crazy brassy people and I'm like the quietest trumpet player you'll ever hear so um so yeah the flugel really suits me because it's just like that extra level of super mellow not to disturb anybody <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's really nice and it works well with the kind of um I play lots of kind of well the stuff with Andrew's a bit quieter and my own stuff's like kind of folkier stuff so it works well for that sort of thing rather than kind of big brassy trumpet stuff but so yeah. what instrument was it that first got you into to music then? Uh, guitar and singing, I suppose. I'm like a really rubbish guitarist, but I like to <laughs> like noodle about. Um, I like, uh, I, well, recorder, I suppose, was <laughs> the very first one. I like spent ages as a, like a little nerdy recorder player from like the age of six. And I was like kind of top of the music class and like being all total nerd um and then i got into slightly cooler got into guitar when i was 12 and um and i was pretty much decided early on that i was going to study music so um i was uh i left ireland and i was like uh, 18 and i moved over to brighton and i did a jazz diploma in a place called chichester and which is where i met all the people i still play jazz with now which is amazing (laughs) so i've been playing with them for a long long time um down in brighton um and so yeah, I did Chichester and then I went to Goldsmiths and I did uh, popular music there, which was really good. Um, and then had a little ye- three years out to go and work in video games and then went back there, finished that and then um, went and worked for EA and then freelance and then here I am. <laughs> so what do you think of the, the sort of the Dundee music scene then? So yeah, there's so I many don't know, amazing... Is the right word? Yeah, oh, it's a funny bit, one here. Yeah. There, there are so many awesome musicians. I was really like kind of shocked for such a small place by how many kind of great bands and stuff there are there's not a lot really playing around here that much they seem to go away and play like glasgow or why do you think that is then um i think that's a venue yeah, thing yeah i guess it's a venue thing yeah um fraser used to live here like he went to university here like 20 years ago he's very old <laughs> sorry fraser <laughs> um and he used to run gigs here and stuff and he said that there were loads uh, loads of venues loads of things going on um i know we're older now and we don't we're 
kind of grumpy and we don't go out that much so maybe we're, it might well be that we're missing loads of stuff but he, he feels that there's nowhere near the same amount of venues and nights going on and just not as much um, energy for gigs and stuff here but there's lots of covers bands I notice <laughs> like tons of them um, but in terms of like kind of uh, like local in like indie stuff or whatever there's doesn't seem to be tons of local things going on but a few good stuff though mm. yeah. what about sort of memorable gigs from your life Ooh, um hmm well there's memorable gigs i've been to memorable gigs i've played though um top one i suppose has to be glastonbury because that was pretty exciting and <laughs> um, played that with my band milk and biscuits who i was in um which, well, the singer moved away to Spain a few years ago, so they kind of it dissipated, but we're kind of still alive. There's, like, talk of things coming out. But, yeah, we got to do the BBC Introducing Stage a few years ago back at Glastonbury, and that's just, like, awesome. <laughs> Where did the name come from? Milk and Biscuits. Yeah. Um, so Matty, the singer, um, just uh, was... I think fecking about with a, a friend one night talking about city band names and I think they might have even been eating biscuits and they just thought milk and biscuits sounded cosy and nice and we're, we were a bit twee it suited us <laughs> um, but we did some cool stuff with that band we did like a six music session for Mark Riley and um, did some good tours with like British Sea Power and um, that was really good we played some really cool venues with them there's one um, the Coal Exchange in uh, Cardiff that's a really nice venue that was a good gig and they, of course, have their big polar bear that runs out through the gig and stuff. So they were, they were good fun. <laughs> their fans are a bit mental. British Sea Power fans, they're like quite sycophantic fans. <laughs> they're a little bit scary, but they didn't, they didn't kill us. So that was good. <laughs> so what about the most memorable, memorable gig you've been to? Been to? Um, so I went to see E17 when I was 12. <laughs> <laughs> That's in no way what I thought you'd come out with. That was amazing. And Peter Andre supported them. <laughs> yep. So that was pretty hot. Um, I also went to see uh, a bit more sensible. I went to see Radiohead in a chasm in the desert in Washington, out in west coast of the States, when I was like 17. So, and it was just when Kid A came out, I think. And, and the sun was setting behind them. Oh, it was, that was amazing. Yeah, that was top gig. <laughs> so, like, across everything that you do, do you think that you've got a style? Yeah. Um, I Sometimes it's said as a compliment and sometimes it's said as not a compliment, but I often get a 70s children's TV um, composer thrown at me. So <laughs> I love, like, I actually have on vinyl, I have uh, finger bobs. I listen to that a lot. Um, all that sort of, like that sort of era of stuff where, where people were just like it was just like makeshift music and sound effects and they were they had like making stupid noises out of coconuts and stuff like that I just I totally love that it's very silly but um a lot of the games I work on if they're more kind of kid oriented and stuff I, I tend to yeah whip out the kind of finger bob style stuff <laughs> quite a lot which brings me joy um the, one of the first games I did freelance was a game called clay jam which kind of yeah, it was very much in that kind of style of like, well, kind of twee indie slash 70s kids TV. And I've kind of gone on from there doing lots of that. But get jazz in, into my stuff a lot as well, because um, I do lots of jazz playing, get loads of trumpets in, lots of brassy scores. But yeah, I definitely have a style, though, I think. Yep. And I think they, they transcend. So the, the, the music that you create um, outside um, your sort of nine to five 
has an influence on the the stuff that you create for the games. Mm, definitely, yeah, yeah. Um, I try to. Um, where lots of composers and games, there's lots of electronic things and all that. Um, lots of people can do that way better than me, so I tend to avoid stuff like that. I I try and do nearly everything live. Um, if not by myself, by the odd other musician, but normally I can't afford that. So um, I play lots of silly instruments myself. Um, so yeah, that will be just you know me how I play. And the kind of stuff that I play outside of games will, yeah, translate very much into what I play when I'm in the studio um, recording my silly stuff for games. Um, same time, you get a brief um, and you never, like, for me, like, I haven't really had the um, luxury of being able to choose what I work on. It's just like I need to take the work when it comes. Um, and sometimes you might get asked to do metal and there's not much you can do about it. So I've got thrown into doing like an electronic metal tune that I had to do once. I'm like, they seemed happy in the end, but I'm like, I'm really not the person to do this. <laughs> like, have you heard anything I've done? But um, so, yeah, you just have to try and adapt sometimes. <laughs> and so you, your um, like music listening habits. Um, mm. So how does, I mean, you mentioned the vinyl collection. Yeah. Um, yeah, how does, how does music listening work for you? Uh, yeah, so you can't listen to music at work, which is the one downside. Um, but I can't really work to music anyway because I'm either listening to music or I'm not listening to it. I, I can't really have background. It doesn't really work for me. So, um, yeah, when I'm listening, it tends to be, yeah, at home with records, um, just like proper sitting down and listening. <laughs> yeah, maybe doing a bit of cleaning, but I can't do anything more like distracting than that or I'm just like... Oh no, get stressed. I can't even really eat and listen to music. I find that I get indigestion. <laughs> I like eating times. <laughs> um, yeah, I have like quite focused listening. It's a bit tiring. <laughs> so what sort of stuff do you like listening to? Oh, uh, yeah, that's pretty broad. Well, at the moment, because um, we got the record player kind of fixed a while ago, like been buying lots of records, which are quite expensive now, um, but not if you buy lots of like go to car boot sales and pick up loads of old jazz records so there's been lots of that going on um got some good like old uh what did i get dave brubeck record re- recently and that's good um splashed out in kamazi washington record recently that was really good for christmas um so lots of jazz um but yeah uh, bought the bjork album recently and got what else have i got well i'll listen to anything that's good really <laughs> the good sort i like the good sort <laughs> cool. Um, I mean, aside from music, um, cycling's a big thing <laughs> in your life, right? Yeah, pretty obsessed with. Well, sport really. I've been running a lot as well over the winter. I like, um, tend to hibernate for the bike a lot because it just gets so messed up in the in the muck. But I think sport and music are actually. I think you'll find that lots of musicians, like I cycle with a lot of musicians. Um, it's there. It's quite a. A nerdy thing uh, and it's got the old gear acquisition syndrome thing about it as well so it, it, cycling especially suits musicians um, and you get you kind of train much like you like practicing the trumpet you've got to like keep it up or else you'll be shite and lose <laughs> uh, well, it's not quite as competitive in music but um yeah i'm like massively into it and cycling is great because you just like get to go out and especially around here with the countryside is amazing the roads are really quiet and um, you just get to like um well this morning we're running but i went to see i was like listening to woodpeckers and things <laughs> stuff you wouldn't normally do if you're just like sitting around in your arse so yeah exercise is good <laughs> it's funny like that 
I don't know, you seem to see, a, I mean, I think you see a lot more people out on quite sort of expensive bikes. Mm. It seems like it's the new midlife crisis. <laughs> don't buy a sports car, buy like a five grand Well, that's good. Road yeah. bike. Yeah. I'm way more in, into people buying expensive road bikes. And like you can, road bikes are still, you can buy an amazing one for a couple of grand or a car, you get a heap of junk for that. And I think a lot of it is to do with the cycle to work scheme as well. Cause people are getting their thousand pound limit and they're, that you can get a pretty good bike for that. So I think that's had a lot to do with it. But I mean, it's a really good thing. Definitely. Better than golf as well. Golf's boring. <laughs> um, what's your thoughts on cycling in Dundee as a city? Uh, so I don't really. Well, I cycle to work, so I suppose I do cycle in Dundee a lot. But um, yeah, it's 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 not a great place to cycle around. It's um, I think it's not a great place to walk around. Even I think um, you know I was just like at a junction the other day, the one down by by the overgate and you're just like you stand there for like 10 minutes waiting for the light to go green and then you cross over and then you have to stand for another 10 minutes wait for the other light so I think cars are just like the absolute they rule the roost in Dundee and um, I think there, there's talk there's lots of talk I follow like the cycling kind of groups and stuff and there there are plans I think to improve things I think with the when the VNA is open finally there there will be more infrastructure there for cycling paths but i think currently the stuff that is there is very much geared towards leisure cyclists and kids and stuff like the is it called the green circle or something it's it's not really for commuters or anything it's not for kind of practical getting around to work without dying <laughs> sort of ways so yeah dundee's got a ways to go before it's kind of feels safe to cycle around yeah mm. but what's your what's your sort of thoughts on the city generally and the sort of changes that it's going through because you'll have seen that for what three years uh, yeah two years here. so I think they'd only just really started the V&A as I moved up here so it's changed a lot since I've been here and it's it's exciting I think like the building is amazing so I'm really excited about that opening um, and it's it's nice what they've done down there um, there's still that problem of a dual carriageway kind of going around this park where they want pe- people to be playing and stuff it seems a bit crazy but um, kind of remaining open yeah open to it all and hopefully it will um it'll all come together in the end <laughs> but i think it, yeah it's exciting things are happening here though and i think new places are opening up like new restaurants and stuff and hopefully more new coffee shops that's something i really miss after leaving brighton i kind of when i was down there were like oh there's another hipster coffee shop oh god but now that i'm up here i'm like oh i'd love some hipster coffee shops <laughs> <laughs> there's a couple but a couple more would be nice <laughs> Cool. Um, so if anyone wants to find you um, mm-hmm. online, uh, where would they do that? Uh, so I've got a website called rachelsimpsonsound.com uh, and that's got an email on there and some probably some out of date stuff. I need to do a little bit of updating. I think when you get settled into a into a job like I am now as opposed, as opposed to freelancing, my little my online presence has maybe got a wee bit lazy. But yeah, I'm on there and your contact details are up there. So feel free to say hello (laughs) and if the if anyone wants to come and see you play yes good question so normally i have tons of gigs and i do have some on the horizon but nothing's quite confirmed yet but there there will be some stuff with um liz lockhead and hazy janes coming up at some stage but nothing to say just yet um i also have a new big band that i've joined with um run by a great piano player a local guy called Stuart small who is very keen to get some gigs up and running soon but again nothing quite confirmed in the diary yet so i'll keep you posted <laughs> <laughs> so what's the tell us a little bit more about the, the big band stuff uh, yeah it's it's cool we, we've actually we only had one rehearsal but he's quite keen to 
um, I think all the players are really good, so I imagine we'll be doing something soon with that. Um, it's lots of his own, Stuart's own compositions. Um, he's he's great. He's really into like Charles Mingus, um, so his stuff's really kind of dissonant and weird. <laughs> um, so lots of crunchy um, chords and stuff. Um, it's like, well, I say it's a big band, it's like a mini big band. There's um, me and him on the trumpet when he's not playing the piano. Uh, then we've got... Um, Ian Robertson, who also plays with Andrew on the trombone, and um, my friend Seth, who's actually in my cycling club, another muso cyclist. He's playing the double bass. He's great. Um, uh, Seth actually, on a tangent, got me a <laughs> most bizarre gig recently. So I kind of have this policy of saying yes to stuff, and it sometimes it leads me to some some crazy things. But this is this is a great one. It was, it was uh, playing for a guy called David Thomas Brockton, who. Um, I only met um, about half an hour before the gig, um, so it was a wee bit, Whoa. and he was, Seth was like, it's okay, you're just improvising, I'm like, okay. So we were playing in, um, uh, there's a night called Taste Up with, with Pfeiffer, um, which is down in Kirkcaldy, uh, run by James Yorkston, which is a lovely gig in a really fancy venue. So it's a very proper venue. I think it's called uh, John Adam Smith, Adam Smith or something like that. It's like, uh, it's quite scary kind of going there. It's really proper. And I was like, okay, I'm going to get up here and I'm going to improvise with a guy that I've never met before. <laughs> um, and it started off, the gig started off him playing, singing and playing guitar and it sounded quite nice and folky and he has a lovely voice. Um, and I was like, okay, just playing some long notes. And then he started pulling out like his iPad and started playing some apps along with like synthy noises and stuff and I was like okay that's all right and I just kind of noodled a bit more and then he pulled out like a rape alarm and he was like <laughs> looped it through the started looping it through the microphone and then went into the crowd and was just like doing mad dancing and I was like what do I do now <laughs> and I kind of had this feeling like we were going to be um, chased out of the venue with like kind of um torches and rotten tomatoes and stuff but um we got a standing ovation at the end so <laughs> so that was pretty awesome um that was supporting uh fact right back to radiohead again that was supporting uh the drummer from radiohead doing his solo thing so that was pretty exciting to meet him so saying yes to stuff is a good policy <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, sure. but yeah the big band is uh with seth and another couple of uh, we've got drummer and uh, i think we've got a flute coming as well so um, yeah, really kind of crunchy, dissonant, weird stuff. And we're hoping, uh, I think, to kind of... Uh, we've got the Dundee Jazz Festival that happens every year, so we're kind of hoping that we can bring some local jazz to that because I think they're kind of missing a bit of local and a bit of jazz as well at that festival. So <laughs> so it'll be good to do that. So, um, yeah, hopefully we'll do some stuff with that soon. Cool. That's great. Thank you very much. Cool. Thank you. And that was Rachel. Uh, big thanks to her for coming on and doing the episode. Um, yeah, it was really fascinating to get an insight into her process um, and the sort of really wide range of, of things that she actually does and things that she works on. But yeah, um, yeah, do go and give her music a listen. Links, as always, in the show notes. And that's it. Short and sweet. Nice and simple for the outro this week. Again, the inevitable social media plug. It is the easiest way it is the best way to keep up to date and it'll just give you a little nudge now and again at CCC Dundee on Instagram on Twitter facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash CCC Dundee or you can subscribe on your favourite podcast channel thanks Fred appreciate it until next week goodbye <laughs>